0: Okay, here we go. You've seen a water robot. You've seen Cobra Commanders slip fatal fluffies onto a spaceship. You've even seen Shipwreck and Snake Eyes with pets. Sneak into a Cobra base, find out what's happening next in the Pyramid of Darkness, Episode 2 on G.I. Joeberg. Let's go, boys.
1: Oh, yes.
2: Yeah. Shit's
1: real. Introducing Part 2 of G.I. Joeberg's review on the Pyramid of Darkness. Episode 2 is entitled, Rendezvous in the City of the Dead.
3: War. That's intriguing stuff, guys. Hardcore,
1: they don't skirt the word death.
3: Yeah, there's No, actually, that was strong. You know, this dead in there. <laughs> They laid it out. Like, you could be a zombie, who knows?
1: Rendezvous as well. Isn't that French for... Rendezvous. Hooking up.
2: It's be- fancy. It. Whatever it is, it's fancy. Mm. It's a meeting of the minds.
1: It's a long title, is what it is.
2: True, how are kids supposed to understand it?
1: It doesn't matter, because <laughs> all that does matter is the fate. <laughs> ...of Shipwreck and Snake Eyes and their animal companion friends.
3: I don't think they made it. What do you guys think? Well, didn't the uh, teaser foreshadowing for the next episode... I know, that's that's probably the biggest problem.
2: Yes, I was going to try and ignore it, but you had to bring it up. (laughs) So, there's a cliffhanger. You know, they're being almost murder butcher death in this little box. Yes. And then, next time on G.I. Joe... Uh, Shipwreck and Polly, and they go further into the factory and discover the nefarious plans of Cobra Commander, something to that effect. So basically, they've just yeah let all the steam out of that cliffhanger. It's like yeah we know you guys know that they aren't gonna die, so let's just
1: give you some confirmation. Yes,
2: just make sure you know for definitely that they don't die.
3: You know what would have been pretty dope is if like they showed a scene where Shipwreck has like. Red goo on his hands, and he's like screaming. But you realize next episode he just like broke a jar of jam.
4: <laughs> while <he's making>
3: <laughs> an kids would have been like,
2: no. Well, maybe okay. that's actually what they're doing. Like they want this cliffhanger moment, but they know that they don't want to leave the kids like scarred, like thinking, oh my god, are they actually gonna make it? And then they spend the whole week like just preoccupied with like. You know, thinking about death and like thoughts
0: suffering. of death and stuff and, and straight and away self, they're, like, they it, so they're
2: gonna make it out it's, it's just a story they will make it you'll be safe <laughs> and how do they make it out well Polly saves the day because even though now the whole death machine has started up the robot will still hear them out <laughs> if they actually happen to shout out that that you know that phrase hell cobra commander the great snake rules forever like it will still accept you know, from these people who it's already said, you're dead now. Yeah, I mean, it's pronounced
1: sentence, like the death sentence. And yet the robot is able to make sort of an 11th hour. Yes, because
2: it like it turns back to the thing and it's like, oh, wait, actually, you you can come by. It's, <laughs> it's chilled.
1: We were just joking. <laughs> Sorry about the saw blades.
3: <laughs> because then he's like, okay, get back little to the <laughs> A nice- oh, and, and nobody's attention is drawn to the mayhem, like, a few feet away on the, uh... Which
2: is, yeah, it's weird, because that would not have worked if, like, there was anyone else in the queue behind them. <laughs> yeah. If any person had been there, they would be like, wait a minute, but you just didn't pass that. Explain yourself, why didn't you pass this? And then you did.
1: Hey, look, security's pretty lax there anyway. Like It is. One person gives the code word and two people walk just past the through. robot. It's
2: like it's
1: chilled. It's like yeah, you can vouch for him.
0: <laughs> What's happening, John? What's happening, Bob?
2: <laughs> and then they get inside and like like you know they get to see all this amazing stuff going on around them. And it's like this announcement. I think it's over like the speaker system. And they're like, okay, everyone, uh, you know, like do your thing and finish remaining queues with renewed vigor.
1: Oh, that was the commander.
3: Oh, that was, yes. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the uh, the usage of vigor. You don't hear it that too is. often.
2: I That's like it. I enjoyed it as well, with renewed vigor. Like, just to you know, get get back to it. Like, you know, one down, a whole bunch more to go. Yeah. Renewed vigor.
3: Yes. You, like, zoom in, and Cobra Commander still has the thesaurus up on his uh, computer.
0: <laughs> thesaurus is is
3: <laughs> Nice. And
2: then just after this, we get another one of these moments. They take the piss out of the situation itself. When the first episode, Shipwreck's like, we're the worst choices for this. Up to this point, you're wondering why has no one questioned them on the fact that they are walking around with a wolf and a parrot. And then it happens. (laughs) Like this officer dude is like, hey, what the hell are you guys doing? get, Get back to work. Just after they've placed a little tracking device on one of these cubes. And he's like, and what the hell are those animals doing here?
3: Why did they not use a proper character in that situation? Like, a named character?
1: Who would it have been?
3: That's a great question. Uh, throw somebody in there. That makes sense. Up
1: to this point, we hadn't seen Baroness or Major Blood.
3: The problem with that is that, that they
2: would recognize them. Ah. Well, it
1: would it wouldn't That's provide why a good you have kind
2: of mid-level right. officer, dude.
1: I would have gone with the fact that, you know, Baroness was too busy being completely ignored by this mini series.
2: <laughs> She's and good for
1: getting it. snogged by Destro and that's about it. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry, I keep doing that. But up until this point, yeah, Baroness is also a non starter.
2: No, not working at all. But um so the way that they explain this the the way out of the situation, why do they have these animals with them, is because they're Destro's animals. <laughs> And if this officer has a problem with that, he'd better take it up with Destro. And he chooses not to. And also Shipwreck points out that you know, other people in history also had pets. Uh, Hitler had a canary.
3: That was nice. That was nice a little history drop. And uh, yeah. Genghis Khan like goldfish.
2: <laughs>
0: oh,
3: can, nice.
2: can you imagine?
0: Like, picture the scene. It's kindergarten. Uh, or or maybe, uh, well, for us it's primary school. And uh, uh, not kindergarten's not primary school, but like, picture the scene, it's primary school, okay? And you one what, of these, did you like... Did go to school, Paul? <laughs> he's, I did, <laughs> most of it, anyway. Uh, and you you go to these kids, and the teacher's like, so, uh, who can tell us uh, an amazing fact? And then, like, at least, like, eight little boys at the back go, Ma'am, do you know that Hitler had a canary? <laughs> can you imagine that? That shit must have happened. Oh, that leads insane. directly
3: to a psych profile right there. He dropped that in class. <laughs> <by us. laughs>
0: <laughs> I I didn't sadly.
3: Well, this is the yes, first time yes. in this mini series that uh, Joe's or Joe sympathizers name drop to get out of a uh, situation, don't they? Yes, this is the first time, but not the last. Dun, no. Dun. Well, that's kind of the last peaceful card if you're infiltrating, right? If you get uh, called out.
2: Yeah, that's you just like the na- last. got to name
3: drop somebody that's too much of a hassle to run down. Yeah. I know
2: your boss.
3: Yeah, that's the last
2: resort. Like, if your disguise hasn't been working...
3: You want to bring Dr. Mindbender into this situation? Yeah, he's going to like that. I think he's taking a nap right now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, okay.
1: Shipwreck places a beeper on one of the control cubes.
2: Yes. Which is very useful. So Giado's base has been destroyed, but they've managed to set up on a temporary base on a random aircraft carrier, which is uh, run by some uh, non- admiral we've ever heard uh, of.
0: admiral.
1: Admiral, yeah. Admiral Ledger.
2: Admiral Ledger yes. on some nondescript aircraft carrier that... Uh, Happens uh, to sport
1: to... a 9-9 on it. Yeah, I on
2: it. And also, he was very nice of the, to let them uh, put the giant uh, bumper sticker on it there saying G.I. Joe.
1: Yeah. Do whatever the hell you want to my boat. (laughs) Except don't bring a lady on board.
3: Is he a character that they made a figure of? No. No,
2: but this entire situation is essentially the USS Flag and he should be Admiral Keelhaul. But
1: But they couldn't accurately produce the incredible grayness of that beard in action figure form. (laughs) He's just got a gray face. His the lower half of his face is just, like, a dark, and metal gray it's that talks. Weird.
2: It's like It's like they replaced his face with, like, metal or something. It's a metal drawer. <laughs>
0: yeah, with, like, lines. Uh, I mentioned this to, to Steve uh, when we were watching it. Uh, I've seen a, a clip, a live-action clip. I believe it could have been a trailer for a fan-made G.I. Joe film or something. And it actually has Admiral Ledger. He opens it up, and he's, you know, he goes, I'm old-school, Navy. And blah, blah, blah. And then I don't normally normally let a woman on my ship or anything. And then it turns out, you know, then he, he like, starts spewing out all this, wow, these guys are really badass kind of thing. You know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But, uh... Parrot
1: phrasing?
3: I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> Fuck!
4: I am a man of the sea. With it come all the superstitions. Women on board is one I've learned to let go. But don't be boarding my ship with your left foot or telling me that we're gonna leave port on a Friday. The flag is a beautiful ship and it's protected me many a time. And I, in turn, will do whatever I can to protect her. The flag is my home and we welcome the Joes any time the need arises. She is a glorious ship. Don't bother comparing her to any carriers. The ones that came before or the ones that came after. She puts them all to shame. I have been with her ever since that day we smashed that bottle of McCullen 1926 malt across the bow. The USS flag is the top. It's the flagship of the fleet. It was named after an army general. Now naming a navy ship after an army general, as odd as that seems to me, you just don't change the name of a ship. It's bad luck. She had to be retrofitted after a massive battle. Now her deck shines as bright as Arcturus, mostly thanks to shipwreck. That man mops the deck more than Captain Kidd twitched when he was hanged. I got a short poem here I would like to read.
0: Obviously, Admiral Ledger has resonated deeply with somebody out there enough for them to have taken the time to shoot uh, a segment you know, featuring him.
2: I'm going to
1: try and find that link and I'll drop it in for you fine listeners out there.
2: Someone actually enjoyed Pyramid of Darkness enough to remember it, what impacted him so badly that he could never forget it.
3: Uh, much of his dialogue is borderline sexist, no? Well, no. Bad, it's, it, I mean, the
2: whole scene is very on-purpose sexist.
1: Flagrantly well, sexist. It's
2: very obviously.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of nice that the whole... they did give him a personality that you kind of bounce off of in some way.
2: Yeah, like straight oh, you... away you know what he is, and no one likes him for being there, But... Um, at least he kind of notices that, um, you know, on the G.I. Joe frequency that they're getting a signal coming in. And apparently it's, it's you know, it's going across the, the globe. And Flint recognizes it very specifically as shipwrecks. It's like, wait a minute, that's, um, yes, that's shipwrecks. Spe- very specific tracker.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Who what knows happens? what shipwreck Flint and Lady J got up to on their three-seater Skystriker ride around the world.
3: <laughs>
2: well, everyone wants a wet Sailor with them.
1: <laughs> Flint would notice that beeper signal any day.
0: <laughs> Something um, worth mentioning, uh, and I'm foreshadowing here now, Admiral Ledger has been a sea dog his whole life that whales ask him for directions. Remember that <laughs> phrase, boys and girls. Remember that First, phrase. What kind of whales? Moby Dick.
3: <laughs> tip, tip of the cap to the writing team again. Nicely done. Thanks, Ron. Good stuff, buddy.
1: So, the control cube in the custody of Destro is heading towards a place called Dead Man's Cove.
2: Devil's Playground. Oh,
1: shit. Which one is it?
2: It's Devil's Playground. Devil's Playground.
1: Because I got Dead Man's Cove as well, but maybe yeah, I'm just losing uh, my mind. Yeah, Dead
2: Man's Cove does not exist in this series. Oh damn it! Um, no, it does. Does it? Is that and the not in this phase?
0: episode? Yeah, it's not in this episode.
2: Okay, in this episode they mentioned. Well, just do you know? Yeah, Devil's Playground is the first one. The second one is going to the City of the Dead, and the third one is going to the Mountain of Glass. But we'll get to those. On
3: we'll reflect on those later.
2: Definitely, but hey, first,
3: hey,
2: hey. Okay. <laughs> we're going to the Devil's Playground. But before going there, we're going into Zero-G with a dog, which is able to uh, maneuver itself in Zero-G effortlessly. Space dog! Space dog!
1: And, of course, the Dreadnoughts riding ferrets that can maneuver in zero-g quite adequately as well.
2: It's brilliant. And
1: Dusty's master plan to save the day by activating the gravity at a certain point, and then deactivating the gravity at a certain point,
4: so that
1: he can make the death-defying jump down the chasm to get to the control room of Space Station Delta. Yes,
2: very Mission Impossible.
1: Why, Why did they put the control room at the bottom of a gigantic chasm?
2: I I don't know. And also, um, his plan is so simple and easy that apparently it's communicable through hand gestures, (laughs) through military (laughs) hand gestures. You can explain to someone, are we going to turn in the Zero G, or for a couple of minutes, then we're going to turn it back on, so you better get ready and we'll attack them and then do a distraction so I can jump down the shaft and get back to the control room.
3: (laughs) Nicely done. (laughs) Actually, before we get too far away from the moment... Yes. uh, as dreadnoks, The three dreadnoks are who in attendance again?
1: Bazza Ripper, and Torch. Yes.
3: I feel like they undersold that moment, because the dreadnoks are like uh, ex-gamers. They're kind of like physical recklessness, right? Like, that had to have been... The time that they spent in Zero-G riding Forerunners around had to have been the greatest moment of their lives.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. They should have just been grinning ear to ear, even if they were getting beat up. <laughs>
1: no, they were <laughs> grinning ear to ear, and then... Uh, apparently completely lost the ability to control their ferrets adequately when the gravity <laughs> was on. <which> is <laughs> something that you'd hope like a biker gang could do.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: They're a zero-g biker gang. <laughs> or a quad gang, actually.
3: I'm sure they were taking uh, large huffs of pure oxygen, uh, knowing, the, knowing the dreadlocks.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, they were led by Sergeant Popper. <laughs> oh, and Sergeant Popper, I had a look, and the only reference I could find is to Kettlecorn Popcorn Company, which actually started 35 years ago, Mm. um, which is Mm. about three or four, three or so, I don't know, three years before this. And this
1: was Zartan's alias as he Mm. snuck aboard. Yeah,
2: Sergeant Popper.
1: As he snuck aboard Space Station Delta uh, in the shuttlecraft, he was called Sergeant Popper.
2: Yeah, Mm. so the only reference I could find was to Sergeant Popper's, which is um, a Kettlecorn company which has been around for 35 years. Um, which is, what, five years more than this? Correct. Yeah, so maybe it's a reference to that. That's really the only one I could find.
1: Hmm, and which might in turn be a reference to the fact that the fatal fluffies pop, just like popped corn from a small kernel
2: it could be into that. a large,
1: fluffy, fire-breathing, laser-pistol-wielding machine of death.
2: Although, as, as a caveat, um, the advert at the top of my Google search when I was looking for this
3: um, it's the uh, gay
2: sexual <laughs> stimulants make anal penetration easier. Wow. <laughs> Which I think Some is referring. Caveat. <laughs> caveat. Whatever. <laughs> Which is referring to the poppers part of uh, Sergeant Popper.
3: Are you trying to one up me in awkwardness right now, Rob? Uh, I won't no, have it.
2: not at all. Please.
0: No, Google beat
1: both <laughs> of you. It's not going to be an <laughs> audio drop of crickets. No.
3: No, we
2: need one of those. No. Please.
1: <laughs> so, Dusty makes it to the control room just yes. in time to learn Cobra's master plan.
3: It's on a laser disc, right? Oh, no, no. <laughs> or is that <laughs> okay? That's, that's, right. that's
1: something else. That's I mean, in the factory. this 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 stuff can no, get well, pretty confusing. No, well, it is
2: actually on laser disc as well. Because I mean, that's what Shipwreck says in that scene that's coming up. Oh, this explains everything about what they're doing with the Pyramid of Darkness. But still, yeah. So Dusty learns the plan. So does Duke. who's just been hanging around with Zartan in the control room. I don't know.
3: Well, Zartan yeah. wanted him in earshot so he could kind of like, uh, you know, uh, dress him down as they went.
2: Uh, yeah, like it's knock, like ha, ha, knock ha, him ha, down ha, the plane if you will. You. Oh, you dress yeah. him down. Yeah.
3: I I couldn't think of the right term. And yeah,
2: he's done dressing him.
3: <laughs> Probably, yeah. But I, I met with insults. Oh, yeah.
2: yes. Yeah. The force so, take his
3: clothes off. So, oh.
1: you wear a rag around your head as well.
3: <laughs> exactly. I, oh, I have no oh, idea what's going
2: on. Oh. No, I'm not actually
1: going to go where I was about to go. But of course, after learning Cobra's master plan, Dusty is not placed in isolation or kept close to hand like Duke is. Instead, he's released back to the general population of G.I. Joe's working on whatever Cobra's mysterious purpose for Space Station Delta is, which gives him ample opportunity to use his refrigerator repairman skills to redirect all of Cobra's transmissions back to G.I. Joe.
2: Yeah, on the Joe frequencies.
1: So that Flint and Co. can learn exactly what Cobra's up to, which is a damn good plan, actually.
3: Well, you, you got to admit those uh, neon flow of energies looked pretty good. Beautiful.
2: Those were pretty awesome.
1: Did Might they? they push this episode out of the one-star territory
3: for you then, Rob? <laughs> it, it, it can't yeah,
2: hurt it. it. It can't hurt, it. hurt it. I think, th- well, that's one point right there. Oof. Glowing lights. <laughs> First episode was good music uh, cue, and then second episode, glowing lights.
1: Wow. Generosity. So Flint and Lady J have torn off to uh, their exotic destination, which looks like it's someplace hot. But actually, it's just I don't know, pink goo pink of some goo, kind. It's
2: just very confusing because Destro gets there with the control cube, and some of this pink goo kind of like spurts out onto his faceplate, and he's like, "Hand me my uh, my, my face buffer, what? <laughs> <laughs> Puffer? Something like that. And he like buffs his face, you know, like you would like to like <laughs> fluffer, fluffer. I don't know. <laughs> 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 and he like like shines his face like this this,
3: this thing like. Zzzz. Like and he's like all shiny again.
0: He's back to being Tim Grin
3: again. Yeah. He seemed unusually happy. Is he usually this happy in uh, the other cartoons? No. Enjoying some Scottish OG, maybe. I don't know. He's uh,
0: usually middle child kind of awkward.
3: Yeah, he seemed moody in a lot of the storytelling.
0: Yeah, he laughs a lot. He's particularly jovial in Pyramid of Darkness. Destro is very weirdly played out in this whole miniseries. I enjoyed the aerial battle from the first episode, but in this episode, he's very, very unmemorable.
2: Yeah, he's basically filling the role of, like, a henchman who has to, you know, put this plan into into effect. He's not really doing anything of his own, essentially.
0: Yeah, and he's always <laughs> kissing Cobra's ass, man. Idea, Cobra Commander, give me your sweet cheeks so I can
2: smooch
3: them. <laughs> 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 uh, we're forgetting about the uh, Sith planet, Korriban, where they land the cube.
2: Oh, yes, 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 yeah. The, the Devil's Playground, where this is all taking place. It's very confusing, because they... Like, in the first episode, when you see this this graphic of the Pyramid of Darkness itself, where these uh, cubes are, they seem like they're in space. And I found that very confusing. Like, I was like, okay, so you're going to also launch these cubes into space and then position them in orbit... But then when you see what they're actually placing them, they're just placing them on the ground. And I was like, that does not match the graphic that you've shown us before.
1: Placing them on the ground very tediously and slowly. Very, yeah. By a helicopter while someone, i.e. Destro, stands on the ground and surveys it, <laughs> uttering the most meaningless coordinates about elevation,
2: and v- like, vertical
1: pla- whatever. Vertical. 2.698 oh.
2: vertical. Yeah,
1: it's, it's a of crap. Fucking cube on the rock, okay? Just
2: put it down.
1: Let it defend itself. And they give it them does.
2: hours and hours and hours to try and shoot at the stupid thing ineffectually. Well, all they really had to do was blow up the stupid helicopter so it <laughs> crashes on the ground.
1: And not in its perfect, perfect o- o- uh, calibration, orientation. Orientation,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? Really? But while this is going down... Back in the, the cube construction factory with Shipwreck and Snake Eyes. Yes, they, they managed to get a laser disc with the plans of this entire operation on it. And they're like, shit, okay, we're got to get this to the rest of the Joes. So they decide to escape. And they do this sort of a rail system.
3: Mm. Is this the episode where they take on those two guards where the pets do most of the heavy lifting?
1: Yep. Yep. Yes. Inside the chief engineer's room, where they find this laser disc with all the plans.
2: Yeah. Nice. Two demo.
1: cobra officers sneak up on them, and yeah, you're right. The animals do their thing.
2: They take them out, yeah, before they before they leave on the railway
3: system. Was this uh this wasn't an introduction for Timber, was it?
1: Uh, Timber yeah. was introduced in the first miniseries, mini-series in the Best yeah. Device. Okay. And this was before the toy even came with a wolf, so somehow it 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 became part of uh, Snake Eyes's uh, character to have this wolf. I mean, it wasn't
2: suggested by the toy just yet. Well, it's obviously inspired by the cartoon, then.
3: They were definitely going out of their way to uh, say, "Hey, Timber is part of the team. You need this."
2: Yeah, and also because I mean, if you look at Snake Eyes himself, I mean, his design—it's from the second version of Snake Eyes with the mm-hmm. visor. So, I mean, they obviously had seen these designs for another version of Snake Eyes quite early on. And they were like, cool, he comes with, with the wolf. Let's put him with the wolf.
3: The problem that I had early on in this series is they had opportunities to showcase what's so cool about Snake Eyes. And he doesn't take advantage of any of the opportunities. Like, yeah. the animators or the storytelling didn't go that direction.
2: Well, that's the thing, though. Yeah, In, in the cartoons, he is not the hero.
3: Yeah, It's
2: just another Joe.
3: I feel like he should have booby-trapped that door Is like, the soldiers walk in, they, like, get zapped or something, and he just kind of shrugs. He's like, hey! It's like the Snake Eyes moment.
2: Yeah.
1: I disagree with you there, Rob. He's not just another Joe. All of the mini miniseries, at least, uh, certainly single him out or, or pair him up with a main character. He's always, like, an important supporting guy, but they don't quite know what to do with him. Snake Eyes mm. is there because they know that the toy's popular, the character's popular, everyone likes the ninja with the Uzi, but like the the animators and writers just don't know how to work him in effectively into a cartoon.
2: Well, certainly in these in these in these miniseries, yes, he is at least a supporting main character. But I mean once you get into the into the normal run of the T V series, he basically fades away into the background. It, yes. Agreed. yes, he's in the miniseries, he's still there. But then once you get to the actual T V series, they're like nah, we don't actually need you anymore. We're going to focus on Flint.
1: Yeah. And what a shame that was. I mean, if they'd actually taken on trying to characterize a disabled or special needs kind of character in a kid's cartoon series, how revolutionary that could have been.
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think they did that with a different character, which we will talk about in the (laughs) next episode. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know who you're talking about. His name might uh, begin with a B and end with a Zook.
0: With an Uka.
3: (laughs) Oh,
1: it
0: hurts. (laughs) Where? Uh, Everywhere.
2: (laughs) When you stand or when you sit, what? Both. Oh, well, you're going to have to get onto to the uh, Alpine Express. I don't something.
1: need a new diaper. <laughs> <laughs>
2: get on my back, buddy. That's what good friends are for. Well, we're we square yeah. ahead of ourselves. So while they're stealing the LaserDisc, um, we discover two more locations that the the Joes have to go to where these more of these cubes are. So, Devil's
1: With very Playground. spiffy
2: names. Yes, yeah, so the Devil's Playground was the first one from earlier. <laughs> or Destro, Dead
1: Man's Cove, if you're me.
2: Yes, where Destro is uh, fighting against Flint and Lady J. And then there is the Statue of the Dead, where Tomex and Zamot are going, and they will be facing off against Airtight, Footloose, and Roblox. And the third location is Mountain of Glass, which is where Major Blood will be setting up his cube, and he will be facing off against Alpine and Bazooka.
3: Say what you will about the G.I. Joe toy line, they know how to name their locales. Their, their locales are as interesting as any in any fiction.
2: Definitely, and there's they could be anywhere in the world, and they literally are anywhere in the world.
0: Yeah, like like they nowhere in the
2: world. <laughs> yeah, like nowhere enterprise city.
3: If we ever get a proper depiction of Cobra Island, that might be one of the coolest places in fiction ever shown. Yeah. I mean, with the half-buried freighter and stuff, like there's some good stuff there.
1: Are you saying a live-action depiction?
3: Uh, anything that gave it justice, like showed that there were swamplands where you have, you know, man-eating crocodiles. Like, there's just a lot of cool stuff to go into.
1: The comic book did quite a good job of uh, depicting oh, yeah. the exact topography of Cobra Island. And during the Civil War, the Cobra Island Civil War, they even included a uh, a map. Really? Yeah, a, char- a chart of the island and also the approaching the approach paths of the various invading forces, Destros and the Joes, and the troop movements on the island itself.
3: The Cobra Civil War was definitely the golden age for the uh, Marble run.
1: Mm, Agreed. Getting back to the, um, I don't know, the tin age of the (laughs) animated world. (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) Well, we we now get into probably the the funnest part of the episode, I think, which is the rail chase. I mean, it's supposed... (laughs) The most ridiculous, but also the most fun.
1: Hold on. Does anyone have anything to say about how Airtight and Footloose and Alpine and Bazooka are characterized at this point?
3: Wait, are they introduced in the second episode?
1: Yes. yes. Alpine and Bazooka exit the f- the, f- the aircraft carrier via <laughs> a whale. Yes. And they're off to their destination, which is the Mountain of Glass, which must be a very long trip on a hovercraft, while... Airtight and Footloose are in the cockpits of a transport plane on the deck of the
3: (laughs) aircraft (laughs) carrier. carrier.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And they congratulating themselves because they got put in charge of a mission. Their very first mission and they're in charge of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, Airtight
1: is too keen
2: and Footloose
1: couldn't give a shit.
2: Yeah, he's super laid back. He's like a surfer almost. You want to almost say he's kind of like rock and roll. I actually
0: find Footloose to be very reminiscent of Bill Murray's character from Caddyshack. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's very much Bull Murray from Caddyshack. I I, just, I when I watched it the other day as well, I was like, oh my god, that's Bill Murray from Caddyshack. Yeah, that's um, actually brilliant. not the dude from The Big Lebowski. No, not at all. No, not uh, at all. That's it's more reserved for like somebody like rock and roll. Yeah. But, uh, because Foot, Footloose is not made to be very cool. He's kind of being made to be what Shipwreck is actually really good at doing. Uh, and that's shirking, uh, any kind of responsibility or chores, you know, right now you, they're using Shipwreck as this hero type, uh, and, and one of the main sort of protagonists in this, um, mini series. So Footloose has kind of stepped in as the, uh, loafer, you know, as the, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> kind of guy.
3: That's Surfer. Surfer. Yeah, very much. Uh, there is a contradiction in his design aspect. Uh, I've never seen a Surfer with a pencil mustache. That That's not right.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm.
3: yeah.
1: It's a bit more not- bushy on the action figure, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting choice with the animators, with the designers, I should say.
3: They, they did include the leaps on his helmet, so that was a nice touch by the animators, tip the cap.
1: And he doesn't get depicted with the standard G.I. Joe rifle in the next episode, but he gets his M16, which is cool. Uh, more, more on that in our third, uh, <laughs> third episode, because Airtight oh. has a piece of uh, equipment as well, which is rather questionable. Anyway, the railway chase is where we wanted to go. Yes. Wait, do we want to say anything about Bazooka and Alpine at this point?
0: No. Uh, they are no. sketched very
1: briefly as, like, Alpine is a complete fucking nerd. And Bazooka, on the other end of the spectrum, is an absolute dunce. Wow.
3: Did you get the impression that he had some mental impairments? Like, I-, I thought it was fairly obvious that they were trying to convey him in that way.
1: Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah, he did and, seem and, a bit And
1: it seems slow. like Alpine is his, his, his his I don't know, nanny?
3: Sort of guardian?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah
3: he's well, he's his a keeper. guide dog? He- do you think that was a, some miscommunication between the art departments? Like, the fig, did the figure not come out yet, and they're like, "Here's a guy. He's wearing a jersey. He's kind of clumsy, and he's a soldier. And maybe they lost in translation or something."
0: No, I think I think the problem with a uh, character like Bazooka um, and Chuckles suffers for it later as well. Uh, anytime in cartoons in the 80s, for some reason, uh, anytime you have kind of some kind of giant character or some kind of larger than life human being um, they tend to make them stupid they they don't tend to make yeah, them intelligent Road characters Roblox is a complete idiot. yeah mm.
2: <laughs> well he's no, got but, that weird thing with the rhyming
0: <laughs> yeah they they've all got some kind of like idiosyncrasy you know it's like it's it's just it's
2: well, shorthand you, you even get yeah. it now i mean like if you're example in game of thrones with Um hodor
3: hodor he, he, yeah. he
2: is basically a giant
3: yeah. Well, silly if if you're if you're physically strong and you also got a brain, that's almost like a Mary Sue, isn't it? Like you got to have a deficiency in some way.
2: Yeah, you can't no, but, you have to have a weakness or something that's wrong with you. You can't But what's sad about that is like in
0: in the Marvel run, um a character that is big, um Road Pig. Uh Road Pig is really interesting because he he has that duality in his character and that is, that was a really interesting way to take that kind of big bruiser, you know, archetype uh, uh, going forward, uh, whereas I feel that Sunbo was like, okay, there's this big guy, he's got an army helmet, he's wearing a football shirt, he's got to be a dunce, he's got to be an idiot, you know, it's it's, it's laziness, I think it's quite lazy characterization, I think they could have done something more interesting with Bazooka, and it's really hurt the character in the long run, because Bazooka's not Uh, on his file card he's not listed as an idiot quite the
1: contrary in fact yeah i i don't know this is probably the most controversial thing i've said on this podcast and there have been a few but like i guess from a designer perspective it's like if you're gonna be a combat soldier wearing a football jersey chances are you're in a
2: special needs (laughs) oh god
3: (laughs) well dude the thing is is it wasn't subtle like he never put together more than two words
2: yeah and and you'll notice as you get to see the character more, he he's always messing up.
0: Yeah, like like, like, lit, like he's Emma always
2: Emma's... messing stuff up. Yeah, yeah. he's the
0: monkey wrench of the cartoon series. It's... Oh, so much worse, man! Oh, <laughs> yeah. you're saying monkey
1: wrench as in the turn of phrase and not the dreadnought.
0: Well, oops, <laughs> <laughs> no, not I mean sorry, not monkey wrench. Um, who did uh, I'm trying to think of? Who's the the guy? Um, uh, the mean dogs. Uh, Wildcard. Uh, Wildcard. Wildcard in the comic book is always doing random things that cause a bit of stress for the rest of the team. Uh, Bazooka kind of takes that role in the cartoon series because we never see Wildcard in the...
1: But they've actually gone as far as to give him a disability. Yeah. So not only do we have a mute, but we've also got a
0: R word.
3: I'll
0: be interested... i would be interested
3: to see if uh, Bazooka makes a big move later in the series. Like if he... If he, like, lives up to his name and drops, like, a heavy payload on something, uh, I guess Other that's than his diaper? <laughs> Thanks, Steven. I'm trying to bring some credibility to the proceedings. Thanks a lot, brother.
1: <laughs> We've shot it. We shot it a long time ago. Your listeners, if you're still with us, be warned.
3: <laughs> it <laughs> yeah.
1: only gets worse.
3: <laughs> Did we ever introduce
2: ourselves? When well, is this, this episode? episode? We were hoping people were listening from the previous episode.
1: We were hoping people but... would remember us.
2: But uh, no, that, that probably makes sense. But if, if, if you have decided <laughs> to join us in part two of our five part look at Perimeter of Darkness, I am Robert.
0: I am Stephen. And I'm Paul.
2: And I'm it fortunate to be
3: with these gentlemen. And I'm called Cujo. And
2: we make up G.I. Joe Thank you for joining us for this part two of our five part look at Perimeter of Darkness, which this year is its anniversary. And the episode that's coming out now that you're listening to at this very minute. Was originally released in 1985 on the 16th of September, which is when you will be listening to this if you stay up to date with us and you're constantly refreshing that uh, Part Bean page. Oh, you know,
3: all your listeners are day one. They love you guys. (laughs) Definitely, you know, they
2: expect this shit all the time.
1: Very nicely done, Rob. Um. Anyway, Snake Eyes and Shipwreck are on a cart. Yes. Pumping furiously. Try and get away from their pursuers.
2: Very much. Th- okay, now they they got to hit, they got a lead on these guys, and they think, yes, we made it. But no, the troops have noticed, and now they're chasing after them. In and and rocket-powered snake sleds.
3: Yes. Somebody's somebody's got to say it, right? Is, it, is there? And there's nobody better than Cobra at branding things. Right off the bat, the troopers were like, "Hop onto the rail snake."
1: <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Let's
1: ride that blue rail snake.
3: No, those guys didn't miss a beat. They were like, oh, time to sell some toys. Get in the rail, Snake. Or, or a theme park ride. I mean, yes. like, what
2: the F? Can you imagine? Cobra
3: World. I mean, <laughs>
1: They totally repurposed those from, like, the theme park portion of Enterprise City. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: They're not
1: riding around pumping up and down on a handle.
0: Yeah, it's from Zartan's hideout, man.
1: Incidentally, that cart that Shipwreck and... And Snake Eyes are pumping manually. Has a motor as well. It has
2: an engine, which, once, you know, they've been chased by these uh, rail snakes, Shipwreck decides he's got to try and make this engine work. But he can't let Snake Eyes pump this thing on his own. So he tells Timber, Timber, yes. keep pumping. <laughs> and Timber gets on his hind legs and he starts pushing on this thing.
0: Snake Eyes like, I don't remember teaching that dog that trick. <laughs> on a dog.
2: It's incredible. It's, it's a <laughs> wolf. Yeah. Shame. He's, he's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it for many, many minutes.
3: Yeah, but he's a very capable sidekick. Like, I mean, they are giving this guy a lot of clout. The the, the wolf, I mean.
2: Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, he saves them, essentially, you know, from earlier, you know, before this. Um, You know, he's, he's able to go underwater, you know, in sharks. It's brilliant. He's actually very well trained. He's almost as amazing as Drankyard, who's, you know, the astronaut dog. (laughs) And during this whole chase, suddenly, like, you know, they they start being shot at, and and then they start shooting back at the Cobras. Okay, the shorthand in, in the cartoon is that the Cobras are shooting blue rifle lasers, and G.I. Joes are shooting red. But the interesting thing is that in this scene, the Joes are actually using red laser rifles which are their normal rifles
1: they're even designed like the GI Joe XMLR yes. laser rifle
2: but where were they hiding those cuz I mean they they didn't bring them in when they snuck into this complex
1: well they nicked them from the, the cobra offices that they, they stole
2: out. the GI Joe rifles from the cobra offices i think officers. i can
3: feel this one rob it they they were channeling tron where if you pick up somebody else's light <laughs> rifle you change the it changes
2: colors. It's like, yes, it knows that you are, you're you. You're not
3: evil. It shoots the other beam. Congratulations,
1: Stop. Cujo! You've just won a yes. no prize.
2: <laughs> that uh, explains I just, everything.
3: I just Tron in the room, so it's all good.
2: Oh, mm. yeah. But I just, yeah, that for me was such a weird moment. Where did they get those?
3: Snake Eyes does get to flex some uh, acrobatics on that rail, doesn't yeah. it?
2: Yes, he gets a very Let's cool moment. I've never see him
0: doing the whole sunbow run.
2: It's a brilliant moment. Yeah, they have to change their direction on these rails, or they're gonna like crash or something. And he kind of leaps up, he does a little cool little twirly thing, and he knocks this this like change direction vein thing.
3: Well, was it in <laughs> slow mo, or did I imagine it? Like it, they they kind of went out of their way to show you what he was up to.
2: I think it's got multiple shots on it, doesn't it? Like you see it from behind and then there's like an overhead shot. Yeah, there's a top-down shot that he kind of
1: shows himself doing in a sort of acrobatic flip. Yeah. Which changes, I guess, the tracks as uh, the cart it, yeah. passes over it. So the Cobras get shunted off in a different direction. But unfortunately, there's another rail snake...
3: Yes. On I the tracks about that one. up ahead. Yes, sir. There's oh, always another rail But snake. it's like at a crossroads.
1: <laughs> Who designs a railway system where you have intersecting like tracks?
2: That's very dangerous. It's just. You, uh, it doesn't make sense. It makes no sense.
3: What year did this come out? Uh, eighty-five. What year did Temple of Doom come out? Somebody's stealing from somebody here. Mm-hmm.
1: If
2: if Temple of Doom came out after this, that means that. Spielberg, Spielberg is a GI Spielberg Joe fan. Crib and GI Joe.
1: Guys, I'm afraid, like ever since there've been mineshafts and the associated railway systems, I think these kind
0: of chases have been happening.
2: 1984, actually. The Emperor hell you said? Doom came out in 1984. Oh
0: yeah, that's right. Yeah, but George Lucas directed um, Temple of Doom. Uh, just FYI. And uh, he, he, he would be more... I think he would be more inclined to steal other people's Actually,
2: FYI, uh, it was directed by Steven Spielberg.
0: Ooh. Temple oh. of Dupes. yes. Double-check that on IMDb, because oh. that's not what it says in the opening credits of the film. You guys are so boring. Well, no,
2: they, it, 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 it was created by... the story by... Boys.
0: Ah, there you go. Let's
2: get back okay. to the important cartoon. <laughs> uh,
1: who would be more responsible for a rail chase, the writer or the director? Lucas <coughs> fucked everyone.
3: Yeah. How oh. <laughs> uh, Steven's going.
0: Especially Indy. Anyway. Yeah. Especially that movie. Anyway, carrying on. Um, um, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of, it's a logical progression. It's, it's inductive. I mean, you know, rail carts make for an exciting chase in an otherwise lackluster episode. You know? You guys wow. were
1: complaining that Destro was just, getting all the laughs and being otherwise ineffectual in this episode. Well, he does issue the kill shot that knocks Lady Jane Flint off the ledge and into, well...
2: Into the Devil's Playground. Into the Devil's Playground,
1: which I don't know what it looks like from your perspective, guys, but the the cliffhanger of this episode is Flint sinking into the pink...
3: <laughs> very true.
2: Very yes, true. well, Lady J is initially dr- is the first one to drown, so she kind of goes down first into the pink.
3: Well, it's 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 uh, obviously an experimental phase in her life.
1: And then Flint goes down into the pink. Yeah, he straight after Lady straight J. after
3: her. Yeah, he's sloppy second in, in there. <laughs> oh, easy, easy. Let's not break the aesthetic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that is the cliffhanger for this episode.
3: Really, they left it on
2: that? Yeah, that's 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 the ending of the episode. Is like they drown. How do they escape this?
3: That's obviously portrayed as lava. But were you kind of confused when you saw the end of the episode? Were you like, really? Yeah, because those guys I thought dead, right?
2: that they were. Yeah, because initially at the start of the episode, like the lava, or whatever, spurts into you know Destro's face, and he cleans it off. Like he doesn't use he doesn't. a rag or something. Like as a, you know, I was joking. He uses like he buffs it off.
3: You know, with like like he a little uses machine. the Cobra branded chamois. Yeah. <clears <clears <throat> yes,
2: like he, you know, he act, and he shines himself back up. I mean, it, power
1: tool chamois.
2: And like oh, a place that's right. that's described the as the devil's playground, it feels like it would be hot and yeah. volcanic, and and it's all pink and hot and gooey, and then they just isn't that
3: liquid. That's what is it thing?
2: then? It's confusing. What is it? It's so like what got have...
1: the texture of, like, uh, like I suppose, uh, um, mud or tar.
3: Like quicksand.
1: Quicksand. That's what I was looking for. Yes. Pink
2: quicksand. Essentially. Which is weird.
3: What it's... is the liquid? That's it's the just... <laughs> question that's burning my mind right now. That is the most important question. Well,
2: it's not burning
1: anything else, unfortunately. <laughs> which is... A bit of a shame, but, like, it does lead to compromising situations in the next episode.
3: So we've
1: come to the end of Episode 2 of Pyramid of Darkness, Rendezvous in the City of the Dead. Which
2: is such a weird title for the episode, because we never actually go there. (laughs) It's like they're previewing the next episode.
1: The title is completely uh, non applicable.
3: Yeah, it's
2: inappropriate. Some might say.
3: If you got City of the Dead, you gotta lay it down. You can't sit on that name. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I, I suppose they're like, we, this is such a cool name, we gotta use it more than once.
1: So guys, high points for episode
0: 2.
2: High points and low points.
0: Mhm. High points of this episode.
2: It ends. <laughs> <laughs> wow, on, might we actually get a lower than 3 score from Paul? Oh yeah, you're very are. curious to know when we get to that point of this. Okay, so are you happy and ended. That's yes. Interesting. And then your lower point, I um I am assuming is the whole episode? What is the lowest point? That's the singing. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, for a Nevada local, uh, who grew up I think around Las Vegas, he's one hell of a hillbilly. Yeah.
2: Just...
3: Well, there's a, there's a lot of musical numbers in this series, but yeah. that's another
2: Yes, Ron Friedman was obviously, I don't know, like, aspiring uh, songwriter, lyricist.
0: (laughs) Failed lyricist. Uh, But yeah, uh,
2: I I give this
0: episode a one. Wow. Yeah, no, it deserves the whole one because people actually spend time and drew this thing. That's a one
1: out of five. My goodness, Paul. This is your lowest score ever. Ever.
0: Yeah, because I watched this episode twice. I watched it originally with Steve the other day. And then I watched it again yesterday just to, you know, just to make my notes and everything. You couldn't get enough? Yeah, I just, <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to make sure, notes. you know, that I didn't miss anything. And I'm watching this whole episode and I've got my notepad with me and I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, Let's look for, like, cool shit to, like, talk about on this episode. And then the episode ended and I was like, oh, I didn't write down anything. <laughs> That's so, and it annoys me. You know, so that's that's oh, the problem. Oh, they might say
2: it did. drew you in so much that you just couldn't keep your eyes off it. I mean, oh, it's, riveting. it's riveting. And, and, so, Stephen.
1: Once again, I'm I'm a toy kind of guy, and the fact that this episode has the dubious honor of debuting the f- f-
3: aircraft carrier aircraft
1: carrier is kind of exciting to me.
3: Must be allergies or something. <laughs>
1: Well, the the gag is they never once call it the flag.
3: I'm just playing around. When Flint
1: Flint finds, stumbles upon, decides on a new G.I. Joe base, it happens to be G.I. Joe's largest playset ever, and that is the USS Flag. All hail the flag, guys. Uh, A
3: somewhat obvious choice in retrospect.
1: Yeah, it doesn't doesn't play too central a role in... In this miniseries, in that some of the action plays out on it, but it's not—it's not like the miniseries centers around who controls the flag. It's like it's—it's it's just a an environment for well, the action to, to take place. Yeah,
2: unlike in the uh, G.I. Joe um, Resolute, where I mean that's their base, you know, like the G.I. Joe base is the flag.
1: It's awesome that they have this progression from the, what resembles the 1983 G.I. Joe Command HQ albeit on a much larger scale. Here we have the flag, also on a larger scale than the toy, but it, like, it definitely does posit what G.I. Joe's base is, and guess what, kids? You can actually buy it and put it together. That is always going to be an exciting draw for me and the animated series, so much more so than uh, vehicles and equipment that were never produced. This one was. It's massive, and it's real, and you can go out and buy it, or get your parents to if you're really, really lucky. I'll <laughs> um, take like
0: my twenty four thousand rand to spare. <laughs> it's
3: it's like, such a vacation. sturdy toy. You could probably just push it in the ocean, and it would just find its way to South Africa. That's what I'll do, guys. Well, I'll, I'll sure. get a flag. I'll, I'll point it in the direction of your continent. Thanks. It point. might work. Let's, it might work.
1: Uh, Let us know how that uh, works out for you. Yeah.
3: yeah
2: man <laughs> overboard! <the> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Lower point, Stephen. Jeez.
1: Uh, b- Just like you battled to find anything um, uh, particularly noteworthy as a a high point in this episode, Paul, I'm battling to come up with a low point because it was all kind of mediocre. Nothing really stunk to high heaven. The fatal fluffies had already been introduced in the previous episode, so there was nothing new there.
2: Kind of feels like a filler episode. Like they just needed to get from one place to another. They had to do more exposition, essentially. And they had to get Snake Eyes and Shipwreck out of that base somehow.
1: Yep. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. There was no low point except exactly how mediocre this episode was in terms of excitement levels. It just wasn't there, man.
2: Hmm, Incredible.
1: How about you, Robbie?
2: Okay. Well, well, my high point, I mean, just because it kind of reminded me of Temple of Doom, was the rail chase. And I like the kind of the animation in that sequence. Yes, when Snake Eyes does his all flippy bippy bit And Timber like, pumping that, that rail car thing was actually pretty funny.
3: That was bold animation. Because you know the animators were like a dog operating a rail car. That
2: came straight out of their imagination. Like there's they, they no reference in real life. They had to make that up. Yeah, no. That, that, what pretty what was Sunbow
1: Productions uh, responsible for before GI Joe?
2: Well, like My Little Pony. I don't know. They might have
1: had some animal shows on there. Maybe, <laughs>
2: maybe,
3: maybe GI Joe was
1: the most realistic shit that, that they ever been done. That's why animated. they
3: had all this weird sci-fi. Well, stuff in there. we get to see uh, Timber showcase more moves uh, later in the series as well. Huh? Excellent.
2: I'm looking forward to that.
3: Uh, oh, yeah.
2: And my low point of this episode. Yeah, mediocrity uh, abounds, but. Probably those hand gestures explaining this complex <laughs> operation that Dusty has come up with. I said to me that I, I can't fathom how he, those hand gestures explained anything to anyone.
3: <laughs>
2: like I mean that th- that system. I mean if you actually look it up online, that system is very simple and very direct. Basically, it's about directions. It's about going here. How many people are going somewhere? Holding, moving. It, you cannot explain a, a, a complex series of, of
3: operations to someone. No, you can It makes no sense to me. The, the G.I. Joe handbook is very intricate in the hand signals.
2: Yeah, I mean, in a sense, not only do they teach everyone to be astronauts and pilots and uh, submarine operators, but they teach
3: them all sign language. Yeah. They, and they give them the freedom to design their own costume, which is tight.
2: Yes, you know, and some sometimes uh, you get winners, like Snake Eyes, and then you get losers, like uh, Bazooka. Yeah. Easy now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I just wear where I got them um, now.
3: Oh, we've just offended people.
1: Kujo, highs and lows, buddy.
3: I'm going to give this a, just a step up, maybe, because they continue introducing crazy locales, so that's a strength of the episode for me. Um, The animators were really doing handstands on this whole series because of the pets and all that. So that was a, that was a good call by Rob. The story, I mean, I, I don't know. I Let's see, what else happened in this episode? They're all bleeding together for me. I think that's it. I, I do continue to like the uh, showcasing of Shipwreck, even though it's really unfortunate how they look visually in those Cobra uniforms. I mean, it, it, you're really taking the coolness away from Snake Eyes. He's got that hat on. It just, uh, come on. Like, if you're going to yeah. go, go all the way. Don't put a hat on him. Just let him walk around in the open, and nobody's the wiser. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, two Fatal Fury whistles for me.
2: Yeah, what, what was yours, what? Stephen? What did, what did you oh, I didn't
1: really get around to it. I was going to rate uh, right at the end. So Paul oh. gave it one uh, one <laughs> G.I. Joe star, I'm assuming, or Fatal Fury whistle. Cujo topped his previous score of one and a half by giving the it
3: two. Building.
1: Uh, I'm going to give it 2.5 simply because uh, mediocrity deserves a mediocre score and 50% is as cruel as I'm likely to get.
2: That's incredible. I wonder if I can be crueler than I've ever (laughs) been before. (sighs) No, no, I can't actually. Weirdly enough, this this episode offends me less than the first one. (laughs) So I'm going with (laughs) 1.5. Yeah. It's just less uh, offensive. I mean, I'm not saying I enjoy it more. It's just it offends me less. That's fair.
0: Rob, I, I, I think that's a good uh, parameter to go on. I really love Chief Engineer's office. I mean, of the myriad offices in the Cobra base, Chief Engineer is clearly an important human being, and his office is fracking huge. It's like but, a uh,
2: cathedral. I mean, it's like the catacombs, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, There's it's some beautiful it's, lighting in there, isn't there? Yeah, that's
0: actually why I like it. I like the art direction of that section quite a bit. I, I really like how they put that together. Also, just in terms of design choices, cubes? Really? Is that the most freaking interesting thing they could have figured out? You know, control cubes? <laughs> big metal blocks?
3: Maybe, I mean, it, was a, maybe it was a reference to Mecha. Who
1: knows? Maybe it was a reference to space, obviously.
3: Could be. Hey. Mm. Except
1: Ooh.
2: those
3: are rectangles. But
2: they were black. They were black. Can
1: anyone work out what our average score for this so episode is? Our average is? score
2: for this episode is 1.75. We have rated this episode lower than the first.
1: Mm. But not overwhelming on either score. Previous episode was rated as 2.125. This episode rates... 1.75 what, what
3: did I give it, Stephen? I'm sorry. What did I give it?
1: This episode.
3: Yeah. You gave I it gave two it, stars. Right. Yeah, I want to change that you. to two and a half. Just a yeah. monkey with your uh, mathematics. Because <laughs> <laughs> the cliffhanger monkey was decent. With... The, the cliffhanger was decent. Flint
1: you, sinking into the pit. You like that. Yeah. Well, well
3: he, There's no way that they're not dead because of what they portray that liquid to be. So. That's true.
1: Mm, Bubblegum. <laughs> we'll chew our way out.
3: <laughs> I can't wait to discuss the uh, you know if they escape I-, I can't wait for that discussion I'm very curious to see will if they, they make escape? it out
1: well tune in this time tomorrow folks as we dip into part 3 of the Pyramid of Darkness
2: yes nice. indeed and before we go our actual average for this episode will then be 1.875
3: still mm-hmm. crap
2: yes yeah, still definitely crap
3: I see you to the betting line though so nobody lost any money because I brought my the average
2: up. That's true. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for coming down and listening to us again for the second day in a row. I'm so glad everyone's down here with us and enjoying watching the series and listening to us saying stuff about it.
1: Podcasts, popcorn, and poppers.
3: Yes. Oh my God. <laughs>